God's word. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hands. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Amen. Please be seated. As we hear the reading of God's word this morning, let's uh, turn to him in prayer as we seek his, his blessing and understanding. Our God and our Father, we praise you that in your grace you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. Lord God, we are thankful that as we open our hearts to your word, that your spirit comes to, to speak and to reveal again the one true living God to us through your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. So as we come again, Lord, we do look to you for your blessing and that we would receive your life-giving word by faith in Christ alone. Amen. When you get to this uh, passage right at the end of the letter of Paul to the Colossians, you, you have this picture in your mind of Paul uh, reaching out for his pen. Actually, it was a stylus. He's reaching out to his friend Timothy. Timothy is near the end of this letter and uh, Paul says, no, Timothy, stop for a moment. I want to write a few closing uh, remarks to this church. So again, Paul takes the pen. You can read the details there in verse 18. He decides to end this letter. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hands. So for a moment, just think about it. What's your handwriting like? Is it legible? If I were to look at a signature of everyone in this room this morning, could I read most of those signatures? Probably not. Our writing isn't always legible, but it was really important here for Paul to write these final words because in those days, many letters circulated and many of them were forgeries. So Paul, taking the stylus from Timothy, is very clear. His writing is legible and we have these closing remarks here this morning. You sometimes forget in this letter that Paul, as he wrote, was imprisoned. For the faith. Here was a man who was used walking hundreds and thousands of kilometers around the ancient Near East, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then he was imprisoned. There he is, house arrest, in prison, and he's no longer able to stride around the ancient world. He's pacing back and forth in this tiny little room, and yet his heart for the church is uncaged. His heart for the church, his heart for the Colossians, his heart for the church today knows no limits. And then we see this in these final three requests that he makes as this letter ends. We hear in these requests his heartbeat, his very heartbeat for Christ's church. So let's look at this. We'll see three final requests. He calls the church to read. He calls Archibus to complete, and he calls all his readers to, to remember, to remember him. So let's look at those three things. Let's begin there. Verse 15, 
This call from Paul to the church is to the reading of God's word, to the reading of these letters that were circulating around the churches. Verse 15, he says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. Now again, this is a reminder to us that they, they, these letters, this letter that we've studied for these last five months, have a wider application than just the early church and that first century world. They apply to you and I today. And they apply to the church of Laodicea, just 15 kilometers away from Colossae, to whom Paul was writing. They apply to Colossae, to Laodicea, to the churches in Vernon today. Now, when you think of the name Laodicea, some of you are saying, well, that name sounds familiar. And it does. You think of the seven letters of Jesus Christ to the seven churches there in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And one of those churches was the church in Laodicea. It was the only one of the seven churches who received not one single word of commendation. If they had sat a test, it would be an F. No commendation at all. This was a church, despite this, that assumed it was prospering as a church in those days. In fact, it was actually described by Jesus as lukewarm. Imagine for a moment you picked up a cup of coffee on the way in. You sat it down. And you forgot all about it for the next hour, hour and a quarter, whatever. And you came back to that cup of coffee. And uh, you would describe that cup of coffee as lukewarm. Would it be attractive to you? Probably not. This is what we read about Jesus. And he reacts to the light of in church. Revelation 3 verse 16. He says, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That's pretty graphic. I remember once getting a, a Tim Hortons order wrong. I just opened up my tea, took a, a gulp of the tea, and realized it was coffee. And I actually did spit it out on the ground. No one was around watching, I think. No one was judging me, but the coffee had to go. It was spat out. And you see here Jesus looking at this Laodicean church and saying, you're lukewarm. He describes them as wretched Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What a description. Think of those words. What had happened? What had happened in the intervening 30 years from when Colossians was written to the words of Jesus in Revelation chapter 3? Well, what happened was they had ignored the reading of God's words. Paul, in verse 16, tells them that they were not only to read, the Colossians were not only to read Paul's letter, they were to pass this letter on to the church in Laodicea. Now again, in those days, this was vital. They didn't have Bibles in their hands as we have. They didn't have Bible apps on their phones. They were reliant upon the public reading of God's Word. And so Paul's letters have this authority, have this place as God's living words to address the dangers of the false teachers and the false teaching that were affecting the Colossians and the Laodiceans. Another letter, if you look at it there, verse 16, the end of verse 16, another letter was circulating, a letter from Paul to the, the church at Laodicea. 
And you say, well, where's that letter today? Well, it's lost to the church. We don't have it, but it would have been a blessing to the early churches to have read both of those letters at their Sunday worship services. So we see again here the importance of, of just reading. The reading of God's word. The Puritan writer puts it well. Thomas Watson, he said, Think in every line you read that God is speaking to you. Every line. Your morning devotionals or your nighttime Bible reading. Your uh, scripture reading this morning here at, uh, at Free Grace. Every line is God speaking to you and I. Had the Laodiceans neglected the teaching of the Scriptures? Well, we don't really have to speculate. They obviously had. Nor do we have to speculate about the impact on, on a believer or an impact on a local church when the, the reading and the teaching of God's Word is, is neglected. I'm thankful for open Bibles this morning your phone apps, whatever you're following, the, the passage of Scripture today. I'm thankful again for the, the Scriptures that are, are proclaimed throughout the city today. So we think about the reading of God's Word and we ask, well, where was this happening? Where was God's Word being read? Well, we're told the church in Laodicea was meeting in the home of another one of those hidden figures in these last greetings of Paul at the end of this letter. Her name was Nympha. Uh, read with me there in your, in your Bible. Let's look at verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. When Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, there were no church buildings. People didn't go to church in the traditional sense of a a brick building with stained glass windows or pews or any of those things. He realized that he's writing to a church that was meeting there in Laodicea and the home of what would have been a wealthy lady's home in those days. And there she was hosting the worship of the church in her house. So we can add Nympha's name to a long list of people who hosted the early church gatherings in the, in the early church. We think of uh, Mary, the mother of John Mark. Uh, the church, one of the churches in Jerusalem met in her home. We think of uh, Lydia and the church in Philippi met in her home. We think of Priscilla and Aquila. The church met there in her home in Ephesus. And now we have Nympha. We're not told why Paul singled her out. He simply commends her that her home belonged to the Lord. Her home belonged to the Lord. Now maybe you're a little nervous that Free Grace some Sunday morning is going to pull up outside your front door and decide to assemble in your living room or around your kitchen table. That's I was going to say it's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon. But, but who knows what the future brings. But what we do see here is the importance of believers using our homes as instruments of God's grace. Taylor Clark uh, wrote a book once called Starbucks. You don't have to ask what it was about. It was about the rise of Starbucks. And in that book he explains 
part of the franchise's rise to global prominence. He tells us that Starbucks' own research showed that what people really want is, in his words, a cozy social atmosphere above all else. For those seeking a refuge from the world, the cup of coffee they bought was just the price of admission. And one observer noted, he said, Starbucks is selling hospitality. Now, why is that so important in our world today? Because that's what people are yearning for. Uh, to give the, the book title by Rosario Butterfield, the, the gospel comes with a house key. I, again, we can never underestimate the impact of our using our homes in this means of hospitality that whether it's coffee and cookies or soup and buns or a meal around the kitchen table, whatever form it takes, there is a sense here of this God using our homes as he used this lady's home in the city of Laodicea. What an impact that it already is making for some of you here in this, in this church at Free Grace. He goes on in verse 17 to extend his greetings. Now he's moving from these two neighborhood churches and he singles out one man serving the local churches there, a man called Archippus. I'd love it if he called these people Stephen and Paul and Simon, but we've got all these names here. So we move now to Archippus and we say, well, what do we, what do we learn about this man? We don't get a lot of references to him in Philemon Verses 1 and 2, we read Paul's introductory remarks. He says, To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. So there we have again, another couple hosting the local church there, and there probably their son, Archippus, is alongside them. Paul calls him a, a fellow soldier. He may have had a, a very specific, important task there in the early church in those cities. And Paul calls him to fulfill that task. Let's look together at those words, verse 17. Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. In the NIV, complete the work you have received in the Lord. Now you can imagine the impact. Archippus is sitting down there in the congregation of God's people as the letter is being read out. And maybe he's getting a little, a little drowsy as the letter goes on and on. And suddenly, he just mentioned my name. Archippus, that's, that's me. And he has this word for me to, to finish the task that God has given to me. He, he wants me to finish strong. What an important call as we serve the Lord. Paul himself, he was single-minded in his following God's call. He explains it to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He says to them, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. 
Were there times that Paul wanted to quit the race? Absolutely. Were there times there in that prison in Rome where he feared that he would not be able to complete the work that God had given to him? Absolutely. Finish the race, Paul says. I love this illustration. It comes from a, an Olympic marathon way back in Mexico City in 1968. It was a Tanzanian runner called John Aquari. You can Google his name and you'll see the clip there. John Aquari entered the race, the marathon race, and early in the race, he had a fall. He damaged his shoulder, he dislocated a knee, he was bandaged up and was able to begin the race again, but he had to walk for part of it, he ran for part of it, and when he came into the stadium at the end, an hour and five had passed since the winner had come in and claimed the gold medal. There he entered the stadium, just a a few people had stayed behind to see the last man come to, to finish the race. After the race was over, the reporters asked him, John, they said, why didn't you, you give up? You had no chance of, of getting a medal or even winning that Olympic marathon. This is what John Aquari said. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And that's Paul here. That's Archippus here. That this call of Paul, he's determined to finish the task. It would include prison time, but he was determined to finish. He calls Archippus. He calls us today as believers to do the same. Some of you here at Free Grace, you've been, you've been serving this local church for, for many, many years. And maybe you're here and you're feeling, ah, it's time to, to hand this over to someone else. I'm weary. And Paul says, pray for endurance to keep on, to finish the race that the Lord has marked out for you. And it's vital that we endure because we're, we're thinking not just ourselves, our own ministry here. We're thinking of the next generation. Hear these words, the anonymous words of the psalmist in Psalm 71 verse 18. He says this, even when I'm old and gray. I can identify with him there. He says, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Maybe today we need a, we need a Paul in our lives, just coming alongside us to be that uh, supporter along the sidewalk in that marathon just to say, you're almost there, you're nearly there. Muscles are cramping, you're out of gas, but just that voice, that word to that struggling parent, that struggling spouse, that person who's weary in school or in the workplace or in that task that God has given to them in, in the local church right here to complete the work you have received in the Lord. But Paul doesn't end there. If we, if I sent you out and just say, work harder, run faster, make a greater effort, we're doomed to fail. Paul ends in verse 18 with one word that transforms everything. That word is, is grace. Let's look at verse 18 together. These final words that Paul writes, he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. 
What does he write? Well, he says, remember my chains. Grace be with you. So there he is making this final appeal. Imagine him there. He's chained to his guard. As he picks up the stylus, he puts it, dips it in the ink. He writes in the papyrus, the scroll. And there he is. He says, remember my chains. Now, why does he say this? Well, in those days, to be known as a, a friend or a mission supporter of the Apostle Paul would not ever gain you in a promotion or gain you popularity with your friends. Paul was regarded as the enemy. But what Paul is saying here is he, he really needs, he really craves, he wants their prayers for him in these ongoing trials. Notice what he prays there. He's praying for endurance. He's not praying for an end of those circumstances or those trials. He just wants to finish the race. He wants to be a, a faithful witness to those prison guards. He needed what the Colossians needed. He needed what you and I need when we're weary. He needed grace. Let, let's look briefly at those last words. Grace be with you. What a way to end this incredible letter. All the way back to chapter 1, verse 2. Paul began in the same way. He said, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So right at the beginning, he's talking about grace. So what is this grace? Well, it's, he's really writing, may God's unmerited, freely given favor rest upon you. Or you want a definition, grace? God's favor in Christ to the undeserving. That's everybody here in this room or watching online. Undeserving of God's favor, His love. Undeserving, unmeriting of His grace. That's who we are. The church, the grace, the church needed in Laodicea. The grace that Archippus needed. The, the grace that Paul needed to fulfill his ministry in the early church and the grace every believer needs here today. Grace. So fitting on this Reformation Sunday because grace marks out Christianity from all other religions today. Every other religion, what must I do? How can I earn it? How can I win God's favor? Christianity is very clear. By grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. Not by your very best day this week. Not by your greatest charitable donation. Nothing that you can bring apart from your sin. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 describes it well. Paul writes there, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What we have there is, is God's grace that has appeared in Christ's great work of salvation that is a, available today to everyone, to people from all around the world. For you today, if you're not yet a believer, this salvation is available through God's grace alone, through faith in Christ alone. So as you sense God's grace is drawing you to himself, confess your sin, repent. 
Turn from that sin and place your trust in the finished saving work of Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. And experience, experience the saving grace. Dean Ortland put it well. He said, it is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God, not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapsed into honest acknowledgement that we never will. Never will. Don't wait. Our ongoing need as Christians of God's grace as well. Our ongoing need of His amazing grace in daily blotting out our sins, granting us forgiveness as we repent and turn to Him. We never outgrow our need of God's grace. Alistair Begg Scottish preacher put it well. He said, We need to accept that however long we go on in the Christian life, and however much the Spirit changes us in this life, we never outgrow our need for grace. Because we never outrun our own sinfulness. Never outrun it. Never will happen. Need of grace today. Our need of grace this afternoon, our need of grace tomorrow, every day. God's daily enabling grace. And Paul points us to it here. We receive that grace as we daily, weekly give ourselves to the reading and the teaching and the preaching of God's word. We receive that grace as we give ourselves to the, the completion of that task that he has given to us. We receive God's grace as we give ourselves to prayer for our fellow travelers on that journey. So what a way to end this letter. My request for you this morning, our prayer for one another today here at Free Grace Vernon is simply this. Grace be with you. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are Needy sinners, desperately in need of your grace again this morning. We confess that, Lord, we do not give ourselves to the, the reading of your scriptures. We find ourselves in that uh, place of spiritual starvation. Ill-nourished, malnourished, Lord, help us to have that hunger for your word we pray, Lord, too, that you would help us to look around, even this morning, even after service, to see that brother or sister who is struggling to fulfill that task and to finish the race, that we would come alongside them. And that, Lord God, as we look to you, that you would give us grace to complete the work that you have placed before us, Lord. And if there is someone, Lord, here or watching online who's not yet a believer, that they would look to you, Lord Jesus, to your finished work upon the cross and turn from their sins and receive you, Lord Jesus, as their Savior, their Lord and their King. And that we would rejoice this morning again in your amazing grace to know that your chains have fallen off and that we have been set free. Hear us as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand again as we sing to God's praise. <clears throat>